The message you're about to hear has been made possible by the continued financial support of the friends and partners of Faith Hill. To find out more about how to become a partner, be sure to visit faithhill.tv. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, why don't you hold your Bible, lift it up real high, and shout, this is my Bible. I believe what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I am a believer and not a doubter. A doer, not just a hearer. Today, I'll learn from God's Word, and my life will never be the same, because faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Uh, how many of you like good news? Anybody likes good news? Man, I have some good news. It's a testimony I want to read uh, from uh, across the pond, uh, right across into the U.S. And uh, uh, this one, they said, absolutely enjoyed the teaching today, last week. Every time I listen to you and Chipo, uh, the word always seems like I'm hearing it for the first time because you break it down so well. On Sundays, we look forward to listening to the message you've taught on the day. It keeps us going, and I love passing on to others out here. May God continue the ble- uh, to bless the work and enlarge your territory. Now, this is uh, from someone all the way overseas in the U.S., and uh, we, we, we have some good news. Our partnership uh, from across the pond in the U.S. has literally doubled uh, in the six months, you know, from January uh, till June, and so we have more people that are partnering with us and the work that we're doing, and we're reaching a lot of people out there. And we want to talk to uh, some of you who are in these uh, cities, Atlanta, Missouri, Colorado Springs, and uh, uh, Arizona and Los Angeles. We're going to be preaching there in the month of August, uh, Pastor C and I. And so if you are in any of those cities, please send us an email to admin at faithwithchurch.co.za and we would love to shake your hand and give you a hug. Amen. Praise the Lord. It's exciting. It's exciting days. Hallelujah. And so last week we started talking about uh, manifesting abundance, as um, Pastor Henry puts it. Romans chapter number 12 verse 2 was our foundational scripture last week and it says this. It says, do not be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. And so uh, this scripture really from verse 1 to 2, you know, offer your bodies as a pleasing sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. And then he talks about transformation in verse 2. Uh, I remember in 2008, you know, I mean, my life just like similar to Pastor H. I didn't know whether I was coming or going. And literally, I remember sitting in my room and reading Romans chapter number 12, verse 2. And it was as if God was standing right there with me. And he began to make things come alive. Uh, And for the first time, I saw that this was the key that was missing to seeing a progressed life, to seeing a successful life uh, in my life. And I needed to change that. I was basically living life as a caterpillar. And when I saw this scripture, you know, it says, don't be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed. That word transformation is talking about a radical change of form. And the analogy they use for that is when a, a, a caterpillar transforms into a butterfly. I mean, if you look at the two creatures, uh, there are no similarities. I mean, you look at the caterpillar, it's flying, uh, it's colorful, it, it's off of uh, flower petals. The butterfly, the caterpillar is in the dirt. And so when you look at the two creatures, it's a radical difference. And the Lord began to say to me, Tafara, this is what will happen to you if you renew your mind, if you change the way you think. And so I immediately got on a journey to change my mind because I knew that the problem I had had to do with my thinking. It didn't didn't have anything to do with God, didn't have anything to do with Jesus. He already paid uh, what he needed to at the cross. And so I needed to fix my thinking so I could manifest, so as it were, what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. And so I started working on my mind. And as I started working on my mind, I mean, it works like a charm, right? I started seeing transformation. 
Because the Bible says uh, in Proverbs 23 verse 7, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. I started seeing prosperity. Uh, like Billy Eppard puts it, money is attracted, it's not pursued. I started attracting good things simply by changing the way I think. And so I thought if this worked like this for me, I want it for other people. And so 2009, Sister Amanda may have gone out to uh, uh, do whatever admin they're doing, but Sister Amanda, some of you know her, she works in, in the ushering team. She's right there, she's right there. I met her in 2009. She had just come back. Why don't you stand so everybody can see you? That's Sister Amanda right there. And Kutle, why don't you stand too with your mom so you can hold her hand, right? Everybody can see. Man, I, I'm, man these, are, these are family. These, these guys are family, right? They, they, they're right here inside of my heart. I met them 2009 and uh, she had just come back from overseas working overseas and they had you know some challenges similar to where I was in 2008 and so I said to uh, Sister Amanda my wife and I we said you know what we have this thing that we do every Sunday we meet together and uh, we, you know uh, some people called it church but basically it was four of us you know so don't tell anybody it was four of us we used to meet I don't know if you remember we used to meet at the Baha'i Center and I'd go and pick her up in Woodmead and, and then we would go I mean it was like a court room, that little room, and uh, I found out something, and I was on fire, I excited, I found out that Romans 12 verse 2 works, so I'm, I'm trying to get people around me to see it, you know, and these guys can tell you, the sermon I'm going to preach today, I'm confident I could get off stage and these two can preach it. You know, uh, Sister Amanda and, and Pastor H here, they can uh, preach it, so I'm on, I'm, I'm, I'm you know, I've got, we got four of us, uh, my wife and I, Sister Amanda and Sister Margaret. Sister Margaret was crazy. She tried to coach my wife on dressing. My wife said, you're ego tripping. She said, leave me alone. <laughs> she was like, Sister Amanda, she was religious, you know. She came to my wife. She said, if you want to be a woman of God and marry this young man or be a pastor, you need to start wearing out. I mean, she's trying to put my wife in robes. <laughs> my wife said, leave me alone. And it, <laughs> I mean, it's a church of four people. You shouldn't be having drama of you get along <laughs> it's the four of you i'm thinking what's going on and so you know out out true story for one year i'd get around to the four people and preach one verse romans 12 verse 2 i mean it's hilarious and i'll tell them come on guys you change your thinking you change your life we come back next week pastor did you have something else to preach romans 12 verse 2 you change your thinking you change your life and and uh, one day you know i'm picking up uh, uh, in fact there was so much transformation and 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 what was happening around us that the twins i met them when they were two right the twins way back i'm talking 13 years ago the twins thought i was jesus true story <laughs> i used to drive i mean we would sacrifice so much right and, and I would drive to, to Woodmead, pick them up, bring them back to One day they said, Mom, is Pastor Z Jesus? So magazine got too much, too much going on that similar to the Jesus we read in the Bible. Chuffed me. Man, I was chuffed. <laughs> I said, I'm like Jesus, right? And so one day I came, I said, you know, Sister Amanda, you're going to have to start believing God for a car, right? And she said, okay, Pastor, my mind has changed. I'm ready. I said, so what are you going to believe for? She said, I'm going to believe God for a red BMW. I said, no, 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 that's not what I meant. <laughs> I mean, you can think big, but no, I didn't mean think that big. You know, you should, you should, let's start with the city golf. And then she said, no, pastor, I heard your sermon. I'm believing God for a red BMW. And two weeks went by. And the one time she walked in, into the building, and she flipped the keys into the air. And I caught them, and I looked, BMW. I said, is it a red one? She said, yes. I started crying. I started crying. I said, Lord, this thing works. And I just found out something that works. And so I had three boys that I had influence over because of age. They didn't really listen to me with spiritual matters, but I was the older one. And so there was Chucks, Tinashe, and uh, Pablo, and, and Henry. They all stayed together as bachelors. And so I was older, so I would go there and try to preach Romans uh, 12 to them. Chucks was the most negative person I'd ever met. <laughs> I mean, if you had put that guy in a dark room, you would develop. You know, the... The photos from way back then. He was the most negative person I'd ever met. He was anxious. He was, I mean, I, confusion. And so what I would do, you know, I read Romans 12 too. And I know it works. 
And so I would call him three times a week, three times, go talk to him, he'll tell you. I would call him, I would leave my office in Midrand uh, uh, around 5 p.m. and I would call him and say, man, I want to meet with you. I, I know we can fix this. You're negative, you, 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 you know, you just, I know we can fix this. He said, what? I said, Romans 12 verse 2. So I would pick him up, I would go and pick him up and then take him to the world of golf. And then we would have dinner there three times a week. We would have dinner there. And then while we're having dinner, I'm preaching one thing to him. What do you think it was? Romans chapter number 12 verse if you change your thinking, you can change your life. You're eating my food, you can listen to me, you know. So I preached to him, Romans 12 verse 2. And uh, he started seeing some transformation in his life. And I thought, man, this thing works. This thing works. And so my, my, my formula at the time was now take them out of their environment of stress, bring them to a different place, and then preach Romans 12 verse 2. And so there was a guy who joined us. His name was Selo and his wife Bongi. They had a big mansion in uh, Hyde Park, you know, old, old money. And, uh, and, and they opened their house for me to preach in there. And so I would come and pick the boys. I would leave Midrand, come and pick the boys. And then we would go there because the first thing you do, take them out of the environment they are in. Because this environment, you can't solve the problems at the level you created them. Take them out of that environment and then I would get them to walk into this mansion in, in, in Hyde Park. You remember? You remember, Sally? We walk into the mansion and then ooh, Romans verse 12 verse 2. While they're, they're looking at the lights, Romans 12 verse 2. This can happen to you. Pastor H, he was classic. I'm about to put his business out on the street. You know, Pastor H, right now, he's our uh, associate pastor. He's, he does everything, you know, so I can go and play golf. <laughs> That's the truth. <laughs> if you need counseling, Pastor H, if you send an email, he does everything so I can, I can chill out. I earned my right. Amen. Don't get mad at me. Praise the Lord. So like, Man, I earned my right. And so I would go and pick him up. Uh, Pablo here can tell you. I would pull up in my Hilux, Toyota Hilux. I would pull up and park, and then I would call them. I didn't want to go in the room. It was too dirty for me to even go in there. It's three bachelors. It was crazy. It was more than three, yeah, but it was crazy. And, uh, and I'm not counting the other ones who were not paying rent. <laughs> and so I would pull up there. So I'd pull up there to pick him up, and I'd call him and say, hey, listen, come down, we're going for live group. And, and Pastor H now, one of his jobs is to run live groups. I'm about to put his business out on the street. And Tinashe and Chucks would come down and get into my car, and I'd say, where is Pastor H? They'd say, oh, no, he said he's tired. <laughs> he's now the live group's pastor. <laughs> say he's tired. And then I'd come back next week and say, hey, I need to pick you up. We're going to Hyde Park. What's happening? He says, I have a headache. <laughs> and then so Sunday morning, one Sunday morning, he came to church. I've, I've, I've ne I'd never done this. I'll never do it again. I saw him in the corner. We used to meet in this small space, and there was a corner there. So you, I backed him into the corner there. And I said, young man, what's happening? And he says, oh, no, you know. I said, you know what? Next time you have an excuse, pick up the phone and call me directly. That was the change of everything. Because I told him, I said, you know, these are excuses, and you can't change your life making excuses. And so I started picking, up, picking them up. All three of them would go to Hyde Park and, and do life group. Preach one thing, Romans 12, verse 2. If you change your thinking, you're going to change your mind. And uh, he got a job and, and started trying to complain. I said, no, you've got to change your thinking. If you change your thinking, you're going to change your life. And so we stayed on Romans 12, uh, verse 2, for a long enough time that 2016, when Tanai is getting born at the hospital, this is the only person I could let do that because, you know, he's right here. His blood, his family. He calls me. My second child is getting born. He calls me. He said, I want a meeting. I said, my second child is being born. He said, as soon as she's born, I want a meeting. I said, okay, come. He came to the hospital. You remember? We're sitting in the lobby. I said, man, you're crazy to call me. The day my child is being born, he said, I, I've got to talk to you about it. I said, what's happening? He said, I'm leaving my job. I'm starting this, this new business. He had just come back from TZ to engage his wife. So life was getting serious now. So he said, I'm starting this business. I, pull out, I pulled out a napkin. We started doing the numbers. I said, you know what? It looks like everything checks out. Let's go for it. And he went for it, and now his life is transformed. I used to call him Big Edge those days. Now I can't. His life is so transformed. He lost a few pounds with that. As well. Now he's just H. Not Big H anymore. And I say all of this to say that trans 
information is available for every single one of us. You know, the people I work with, it's amazing when people come to Faith Hill Church. They say, you know, Faith Hill has an ability to attract leaders. We don't attract no leaders. We make them. I mean, you should have seen some of these boys when I met them. In fact, someone went to my wife. She worked on me. Someone went to my wife, a young girl, said, man, I want a husband like Pastor T. I said, man, you wouldn't have considered him when I met him. She said, man, there was a diamond, but there was a lot of rough. There was a diamond in the rough. And she polished me. She worked on me. And man, I'm telling you, she's worked very hard. That's the truth. Amen. And so I'm telling you guys that this works. I've got 13 years of seeing it work in people around me. Oh, that's between you and a changed life is wrong thinking. If you change the way you think, you are going to produce what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. And so last week we found out that a human being is tripartite, which means you have three parts. Uh, You know, you are a spirit, you possess a soul, and you live in a body. Is that right? That's what we found out. And your soul right here is where your mind, your will, and your emotions are. And so we say it whenever scripture uh, is talking to you, it is either addressing one of these three. You know, it's either addressing your spirit uh, or it's either addressing your soul or your body. You know, when it says, uh, if any man is in Christ, he becomes a new creature. All things have passed away. Everything has become new. We know that is addressing your your spirit, when he says you have the mind of Christ, he's not talking about this mind. He's talking about in your spirit, you have access to understand spiritual things through the spirit that is in you. Amen? In the marriage relationship, when he says, uh, then shall a man leave his father and his mother and the two uh, shall become one flesh, he's not talking about your soulish realm or your body. He's talking about your spirit. In your spirit, God makes you one. Now, it's up to you to inform your soulish realm, which is your mind. You need to let your mind know that now I'm married and I'm one with this woman. You need to let your will reflect that I now make choices uh, to, to support and to lead this house. You need your emotions to feel for one woman. Can I get an amen? Because you didn't become one in your emotions. You didn't become one in your, in, your, in your will, you didn't become one in your mind. This is by choice. Amen. In fact, Jesus started teaching this to his disciples. If you go and read in Matthew 19, he started teaching this to his disciples. Verse 1, he told them, Then shall a man leave his father and his mother, and the two shall become one flesh. And he began to teach them on the permanency and the seriousness of marriage. And the disciples responded and said this. If you read in Matthew 19, verse 10 in the Message Bible, this is what the disciples said to Jesus after they learned that they had to work on their soul and their body. Jesus' disciples objected and said, If those are the terms of marriage we haven't got a chance because nobody wants to work on their mind nobody wants to work on their will nobody wants to work on their emotions church folk want to come to a meeting like this and say pastor right here and it comes by osmosis no 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 you're going to have to work on your thinking Can I get an amen? Amen. You're going to have to change the way you think. And that's what he's saying over here. If you read in uh, Proverbs 23 verse 7, he says, As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Amen. And we say it in the first service, this is what it looks like. This is why he's saying that. Because in Romans chapter number 12 uh, verse 2, he says, We are transformed by the renewing of your mind. But if you go to Ephesians 4 verse 23, let's go to Ephesians chapter number 4 verse 23. I want to show you something here that I believe will, will be a blessing to you. Ephesians chapter number 4 verse 23. And this is what he says. He says, And be renewed in the what? In the spirit of your mind. So there's another dimension where this mind 
mind renewal has to reach. And so this is what your mind looks like. You know, the architects can correct me after, but this is what your mind... I'm, I'm just trying. This is a door, and this is what your mind looks like. So your mind is divided into two parts. Your mind is... What, what he's talking about in Ephesians chapter number 4, verse 23, is the spirit of the mind. Also known as the heart. You know, when the Bible says heart, it's not talking about the blood pumping organ. He's talking about the, the inner core of your being, the very essence of who you are that makes decisions uh, 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 when you go about in your life. He's talking about the spirit. The heart is also known as the female part of the mind. It's also known as the, the conception chamber, if you will. Conception chamber. And so this is uh, where God wants us to live our lives from. And, and with this comes another part of your mind called the rational mind. The rational mind is also called, called the male part of your, of your mind, you know. And uh, so what, what transpires basically is uh, when God gives you his word, uh, it comes into the rational mind. So, for example, Pastor Henry came up here and he says, if you want to receive prosperity, you have to give. And so as he was preaching that, two things happened. In your rational mind. Your rational mind did this. Or it did this. Talk to the hand. This is your rational mind. And when your rational mind says this. That seed is sown. And it's given access. Into your heart. And you're automated for prosperity. Because you're automated for generosity. I could come up here and say, believers shall lay hands on the sick and they will recover. And most of you will do this. Boom. And then that seed will be planted in the rational mind. And it will go all the way, given passage, to go all the way into the heart. And most of you believe that at a hardcore level. But I could flip around, turn around in the same breath and say, believers shall raise the dead. And most of you will say... And so it doesn't stop it from being true or from being uh, a seed, but it just stops it from being planted in your heart. And God wants us to live at a place where the heart is automated in possibility according to God's word. Amen? Amen. It's kind of like driving. You know, when you start driving a car, when you start learning how to drive, you drive from this. You have to think through everything. You put the uh, 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 ignition on, start the engine, and then you, you look around, the seven-step uh, blind spot check, and then, and then you put slowly the, the handbrake down. You're thinking, it's happening here. And then you put the gear into reverse, and then you check, and then you reverse. You're driving from here, and it's, it's tiring to live life from the rational mind. That's why the early days of driving, you, you man, I'm tired. What were you doing? I was driving. <laughs> and then you do it a few times. Uh, you plant that seed of driving into here. Now, now, some of you ladies, you've mastered this. You drive from autopilot, from the heart. You can do your makeup while driving. You can eat breakfast. We've seen them in traffic. They do their mascara. They do their makeup. They do their nails. They do a pedicure, pe manicure. They, I mean, they, while they're driving. What happened? Now they're driving... From, from autopilot. And so all God is asking you to do is to accept his thoughts, is to accept his word, his possibilities as true and throw them right into the conception chamber as crazy as they may seem. Because if you don't put them in your heart, God can't do nothing about it. Go with me to Deuteronomy 7.17. I want to I show it to you. Deuteronomy chapter number 7 verse 17. And then we'll go to Mark Chapter number four. Is this helping you? Man, I'm telling you, you've got to fix your thinking. You've got to fix your thinking. Uh, let's read it in the KJV, in the, in the, in the you know. Uh, in fact, we can stay here. I'll go back. Yeah, okay, that's fine. Let's read it here. This is God speaking to the children of Israel. And he says this to them. This is serious. He has just given them the land that flows with milk and honey. 
Just like he has given you and I prosperity, he has given us healing, he has given us all these things that pertain to life and godliness. But God then turns around and says to them, if you shall say in your heart, these nations are more than I. In other words, if you shall say in your heart that these are giants and we are grasshoppers. God turns around and he says, how can I dispossess them for you? In other words, if you say in your heart that it's going to take 30 years to pay off this mortgage, God turns around and says, how can I do it for you in five years? <coughs> can you imagine? 30 years. 2053, you're still paying for one thing. <coughs> ah! <coughs> That's a long time. That's a long time. Amen? <coughs> And so we got to change our thinking. Let's go and see what Jesus did. Let's go and see Jesus. Uh, Mark. Mark chapter number uh, 4 from verse 35. Jesus always did this. He always went uh, uh, aside from the multitudes into a solace place to pray. That's what the Bible says. It says he frequently went away from the multitudes to pray. The word prayer means to commune with the Father. So the word prayer also means reading the word, meditating on the word, and also praying to God and receiving his thoughts. And when Jesus went to pray, he was going to receive God's thoughts to the point where he was on automation for peace. This is why Jesus never ran anywhere. They'd come to him and say, Lazarus is sick. We need to go right now. Jesus never said, okay, yeah, we need to go. Need to. Jesus said, no, chill out. Why? Because it's automated for what? For peace. You know, we, we took our kid. Uh, she broke her hand, right? We took our kid, one of our kids. She broke her finger playing on the jungle gym. She's, she's crazy. You know, the younger one, she's adventurous. She was doing backflips and so on and broke her hand. And so we took her in to see the doctor and they were doing x-rays. And the doctor stopped midway and says, you must, you must be the calmest parents I've ever met in town. And we looked at each other. We said, I wonder where we got that from. We got it from Jesus. If you put his word in your heart, you, you, you can't panic. There's no panic button. And so it, what happened? Verse 35, on the same day when evening was come, he said to them, let's cross over and go to the other side. Now when they had left the multitude, it took him along in the boat as he was, and other little boats were also with him. A great windstorm arose, and the waves beat the boat. So life challenges are going to come. So that it was already filling. But he was in, in the stern, asleep on a pillow. How can you sleep through the night while life is raging? You automate your heart for peace. What does it say in Isaiah 26 verse 3? You shall keep him in perfect peace. Whose what? Whose mind is stayed on them because he trusted in thee. The reason why you are ruffled easily and you are under pressure is because your mind is all over. Peace is a byproduct of your thinking. And so Jesus knew this. And so he was asleep on a pillow. Can you imagine? The storm is raging. I remember the one time we were on a flight uh, from Cape Town and I mean, the turbulence started uh, uh, going. It was in December and the winds were flowing and the turbulence, ooh, boy, I tried to be like Jesus, but ooh, I was on the edge. Ooh, ooh, ooh. I mean, I'm, I had all kinds of thoughts running through my head. But had I automated my heart for, for, for peace, I would have been calm. And some of y'all need to automate your heart for peace and, and, and keep your heart in God's word. And what happened here? He, they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, you do not care that we are perishing? Then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the uh, sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased and there was great calm. He said to them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? We said last week, faith is a byproduct of your thinking. And they feared exceedingly and said one to another, Who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? Jesus was automated for peace in his heart at a heart level. And so all I'm saying to you this morning is automate your heart for the things that you want to see in your life. Man, if, if, if poverty is tormenting you, automate your heart for prosperity. The reason why people get stuck in poverty is because over here, do you know the reason, the reason God says give is not because God is in need? He owns a kettle on a thousand hill. I found that out when I moved churches. I moved cities and I moved churches and I stopped giving my money to the other church I used to go to. And I moved to another city and I started giving my money to another uh, church that I started attending. I found the other church I had left and I found out they were still having church without my money. 
Still building projects. Crazy stuff going without my... Can you believe it? And I found out God didn't need my money. But I needed to give because God is working something on me in my heart. And so because of that, you know, I was saying in the first service, yesterday was the 1st of July, and I always keep track of these things. Pastor C and I personally, not faith your church, personally, in the first six months of the year, we've given away a little over a quarter of a million rand to the preaching of the gospel. Now when the harvest starts coming, don't get mad at me, get mad at my seed. And people are quick to get mad. Pastor H, he wants me to drive a nice car. You know, I drive a truck, and I like trucks, but Pastor H is like, man, Pastor, come on, man, come on. Come and see this one. He drives a Mercedes. He's trying to, my wife drives a Mercedes. They're trying to get me on that. Man, I like trucks, amen? And so, I'm telling you, when God says give, it is because the the number one reason why people don't give is because (laughs) they say in their rational mind, I don't have. If I had, I would give. And so the I don't have becomes seed and they plant it in the conception chamber and the conception chamber begins to produce a life of I don't have. And when you give, you tell your rational mind there is more where this came from. And when you tell your rational mind, there's more where this came from, you inform your heart and it changes your perspective on things and you start to attract things instead of chasing them. And so the greatest sermon you'll ever preach to yourself is to get someone something. Because you're saying there's more where this came from. When you close your hand, you're saying that's all it's going to be. And guess what? You're right. That's all, that's all it will ever be. Can I get an Amen. And so Jesus knew this, and he, he told the, the wind to cease. Let's go back down to uh, verse 14 and look at what he had done before this. This is awesome. Man, I'm telling you, Luke six forty-five tells us, it says a good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth that which is good. An evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth that which is evil. From the abundance of the heart, the mouth will speak. Your mouth is automated to speak whatever you put in your heart in large enough quantities. And I always tell people this. Whatever you put in your heart in large enough quantities will surprise you. So, oh, where did that come from? You put it in here in large enough quantities. Life is a way of putting your business in the streets, the hidden stuff. You plant that seed, we'll see them oranges. When we got married, uh, 2011, you know, at our wedding day, I had these silk socks, shiny, that I bought in China. We went for a business trip, bought these socks, and beautiful socks, black. And so I was going to uh, San Diego to preach. And uh, my wife had been trying to get me to throw away these socks because they had now developed little holes on the toes, you know. And so I wasn't going to throw them away because I'm operating at a completely different level. I mean, yo, these are the socks. This silk. My wife's like, get rid of them. They're torn. They've done their time. I said, no. I paid too much. I'm still, I, there's still 30 rand I need to get from these socks. <laughs> So I'm wearing my socks. I'm feeling good about myself. Life is a way of putting your business on the street. I get to uh, Chicago, and you have to do your immigration, get all your luggage, and then recheck your immigration so you can go to uh, San Diego. And so I joined the security line, and the man starts shouting, laptops out, iPads out, belts off, jackets off, shoes off. Man, I'm in the line. I'm thinking, shoes off? And I'm thinking, man, God dig it. My wife is right again. She's always right. And so right there in the queue. You know, I preach on witty inventions and creative ideas. Right there in the queue, Chris. I had a creative idea. Witty invention. You can take the whole thing off. Just I took the whole thing off, and the guy behind me said, no, he didn't say socks, brother. He didn't say socks. He said shoes. I said, hey, leave me alone. I'm all right. But I'm saying this to say this, guys. 
Life is a way of putting your business out in the street. If you let it in your heart, it will come out somewhere. <laughs> he was a bunch of us preachers. It was the four of us in a car. We're driving past Monte Cassino here. And the one preacher is driving, anointed of God, filled with the Holy Ghost. He got cut in traffic. And a bleep word came out of his mouth. <laughs> X-rated word came out of his mouth. He turned around and said, ah, ah, I don't know where that came from. <laughs> we know exactly where that came from. It came from the heart. Amen. Now watch what happens. Verse 14. Watch what happens. It says, uh, Jesus is speaking, right? Verse 14. He says, it's, it's a parable of the sower. You remember the story? Some fell on the wayside. Some fell on the uh, uh, stony ground. Some fell on the thorny ground. There was a man who went. Uh, the master went and sowing seed and so on and so forth. And then Jesus begins to explain this in verse 14. He says, when the uh, sower goes sowing, you know, that seed, the sower soweth the word. So what I'm doing right now, what happens to you when you're reading in your devotional and so on and so forth, whenever you get around the word, when you go to life group and people are sharing from God's word. What's happening is seed is being thrown in the air. Seed is being scattered and it, it's supposed to land. The intention is for that seed to land in your heart so that you can plant it uh, uh, over here in, in, in your heart. And so Jesus says the sower soweth the word. If you study that word they use there for seed, for word, it is the Greek word sperma, which also means seed. So the word of God in and of itself is not ink and paper. The word of God is a bag of seeds that only produce when you plant it in the garden of your heart. The word of God, the Bible itself as a book will not do much for you unless you plant the seeds of his words in your heart. And I had to learn this the hard way. I thought the Bible could be used as some sort of magic stick, you know, uh, in the horror movies. Dracula comes to attack you. Ah, the Bible. Ah, the Bible. And I had a Bible in my car, and the car rolled three times. And the Lord reminded me, it's not the book. It's what you plant in your heart. Don't use it as some superstitious things. Your child is sick. You take the Bible. Put the Bible. Put the Bible on. Ain't nothing going to happen. Nothing is going to happen. Only what you put in your heart is going to produce. Can I get an amen? And so he says the sower sows the word. And what happened? Next verse. He says in uh, verse 15, And these are they by the wayside when the word is sown... Or when the word is presented to your rational mind, right? The seed comes, the seeds come. Here they're sown in your rational mind. The rational mind is supposed to give this seed passageway into your heart. This is the garden. This is the conception chamber. And so what happens? He says these are likewise who when the seed is sown on the wayside, uh, they have heard the word. And Satan comes when? Immediately. So right now, while I'm preaching, the word is like a helicopter little thing. It's hovering over people. And you accept it. It goes into your heart, but it goes into the waiting area. And then uh, before it goes into the conception chamber, come, Satan comes and says, what are we having for lunch? Snatch that word from me. Snatch that word from me. He comes immediately. While I'm preaching, he's snatching that word from me. He's not after you. He's not mad at you. He's after the word. He's after the seed. Because he knows if you can get, keep your ground bare, you'll never produce anything. You can come to church all you want. 52 weeks in a year, you can come to church. You can hang out around Christians. You can do this patronage thing. You know, uh, uh, this is why you've never heard me say some of the things that people say. I, I, I've never told these guys that I'm your spiritual father. I don't use those terms. I just tell them one thing. Change the way you think. I don't want them to think they're going to get some sort of uh, accreditation because after all, PT is my spiritual father, so I must produce fruit after his kind. No, it doesn't work. Now I understand what people are doing. I just don't major in that. I major in what produces fruit. We have too many Christians that are running around tired as the rest, prejudiced as the rest, broke as the rest, sick as the rest. Will the true Christians please stand up? Who are they? He said, you shall know them by their fruits. And so I tell these people, man, I tell my leaders, come on, man. People don't care about, you know, your sermon. Nobody cares, man. Come on, anybody can preach. 
introduction, board the conclusion. Anybody can preach. People care about the fruit. Where is the fruit? Where is the fruit? The evidence. Amen. I said amen. And, and, and for some of you, all we have to do is talk to your spouse. Find out if you are a true Christian. Oh, Lord Jesus. <laughs> we, we ask them, we say, are they as forgiving as the sermon? As the sermon? Yeah. I'm telling you, man, God is calling us to a place of fruit. Can I get an Amen. And so, what happened here? The enemy came immediately, snatched that word before it reached the conception chamber. The second ground, verse 16. And these are like wise uh, who are sown on a stony ground, who when they've heard the word, immediately receive it with gladness. So they receive that word. They say, oh, come on, pastor, preach that thing. Amen. It puts in here. They accept it. And then what happens? Watch what happens. But they have no root in themselves. In other words, this word has not yet been planted in here. It's got no root system. It's just head knowledge. This is, this is head knowledge level. I call it mental ascent. It's the nod. It's the nod to God crowd. You just give God a nod. Amen. Amen. But it's not right here. And he says those people, the enemy, what he does is he brings them a little challenge. He says they endure, but for a time afterward, when? He didn't say if, when? So affliction is coming. He says when affliction or persecution arises, not for you. For the what? For the word. He's after the seed. When persecution arises, because he's trying to snatch that seed away from you. And so what happens? The persecution arises, and they are immediately offended. In other words, they quickly turn around in their rational mind, and they throw that seed out and say, it doesn't work. Ah, I got seven. This doesn't work. We tried it. Have you ever met people who say, Man, I went to church 10 years. Ah, it doesn't work. You know what happened? Affliction, persecution arose, and the word was still in there, and they gave up on it. Man, this is good preaching. I wish I was writing my notes myself. I'm telling you. Ooh. And it says this in verse 18. Verse 18. These are they which are sown amongst thorns, such as hear the word. Now, this one is a different group because the word actually makes it to the conception chamber. It makes it right here into their heart. And so they've planted the word in here. And it says, but the cares of this world. You know what else they plant in the same garden? Worry. Anxiety. So it's the word mixed with weeds. Of worry, worry about this, worry about that. We said you must automate your heart for what? For peace and not for stress. So they plant both the word and the worry in their heart. Stressed out about the world, about everything, about everyone. Put it in their heart. And what happened? What else? Deceitfulness of riches. They put the deceitfulness of riches in here, automate their heart to think that, you know, it's the car, it's this thing, you know, it's this thing that's going to do something for me. And we almost had a practical uh, lesson, you know, with Q. I want to put his business out in the street. <laughs> Q and I play golf together, you know. And Q is this, this putter that he uses. It's, a Scott, uh, it's called a Scott Cameron putter. costs seven grand. I mean, this thing, you putt. Ooh, that, ooh, the sound is... And then it goes into the hole. It's nice. And Q is beating me. He used to beat me. It's changed now. <laughs> and so he's beating me. He's, he says, and every time he would putt, you say, it goes in. He say, Pastor, that's Scott Cameron. <laughs> and then we get into the true. I mean, Q, Q, he's trying to. So Q is trying to put seed of doubt. And so he's trying. <laughs> So that I can believe that I'll never beat him. But I reject it. <laughs> and so when we sit in the, in the cart, he, he says this. True story. I'm not lying. He can confirm. When he sits in the cart, he says, you know, there's only uh, one relative of Tiger Woods in, on this entire course. And I say, who might that be? He says, me. <laughs> I mean, he's, 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 he's like, man, I'm like, man, stop, shut up. Don't talk to me. He's trying to cast seeds of, of doubt. So he had this putter. Six grand is a putter. He just bought it last month. <laughs> and then we finished playing. We're packing our stuff to go. 
And I don't know what happened. I think the Lord really wanted him to learn his lesson. And it was like right there staring him in the face, but he couldn't see it. And he looked at me, he said, pity my partner. <laughs> and he said this, true story. He said, this is sad. <laughs> he couldn't see it, it's right there in front of him. He couldn't see it. The Lord wanted him to teach him a lesson, blinded him for a minute. <laughs> when his eyes finally opened, the Lord opened his eyes and said, ah, it's here. <laughs> I said, brother, don't put your trust in that part. I said, sow it into your man of God. I told him. I, I said, sow that. <laughs> I told him. True story, man. I have fun with these guys. I'm telling you. And so, the, 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 if you plant deceitfulness of stuff in there, man, it will choke the word. What else? Last for other things. You know what last for other things is? When you can't celebrate other people. It's because you're lasting after them. And Ashley Teradez taught me a lesson. He said to Farah, if, if ever you're mad at someone for buying a nice house or for having a nice house, it's not their house you're mad at. You're mad at your house. <laughs> he told me. He said, he said this. He said, because if you had a house just like them, you wouldn't be mad. He said, so what you should do is fix your life. And I said, brother, you're right. And I stopped getting mad at people. Yeah. Amen. Because when you do, you're bringing in lust of other things in here. And what does it do? It chokes the word. We don't be automated for lust. Be automated for celebration. Yeah. Someone does well, praise the Lord. Go for it. Yeah. Amen? And when you do that, man, I'm telling you you, 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 you do that, you become the last ground. What happened? Uh, verse, verse number 20. And these are they which are sown on good ground. Such as hear the word and receive it. So they take the word, receive it, plant it here and good ground. And when they've planted it, what happens? They receive it and uh, it brings forth fruit. And what kind of fruit does it bring forth? Good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. In other words, to some 30, to some 60, and to some 104. In other words, there's going to be a progressive increase of seeing their lives change. But it all starts with, 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 with receiving that word and putting it in your heart. Now, Pastor Edge, because I forced him 13 years ago to go to life group, now he knows what it did for his life. This is why he's trying to drag everybody and their mama. Do you go to life group? Go to life group. Hey, go to, if you go to him, if you go to him, because, you know, most of you are going to go to him because I let him do all my work so I can go and play golf. That's the truth. True. On Friday, I walk in the office. I said, everything all right? They said, everything all right? And we do our staff meeting. And I, and I train them on leadership, show them what we should do, culture, develop leaders. That's my thing. And I say, boys, now it's time for you to run the show. He runs the ministry. Them, Marshall and them, uh, Jabu and them, they run the ministry. I just show up on Sunday. I mean, I have the best job in the world. I just show up. <laughs> but you, would, you, you definitely should have... Come when we, when we were putting in them 13 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> you don't draw from people what you haven't put in. Yeah. The reason why I can chill out, a Dillian runs the finances, is because, man, there was a season of planting, putting stuff in them. Yeah. And I've put in a lot of stuff in a lot of people, and because of that, I can chill out a little bit. So I go to the office, Chris, and I, you know, do my thing. 11 o'clock on Friday, I'm done. True story. Done. Close the laptop. If you call me, it's not going to get answered because they don't want phones on the course. And I'll call you back at 5.30. And the reason I can do that is because I come up here every Sunday and preach a message that excludes me in the equation. If I come up here, man, I could come up here and preach some, some uh, job security sermon. Come to my office and I'll have a long line of people, counseling people from morning to evening. Not productive. What I'm telling you is, if you change your thinking, you're not going to need anything from me. And I'm consistently working myself out of a job. Consistently. I love it. I send people away. Next month, we're going to be sending some of our best leaders 
into Europe, Ireland. They're moving to Ireland. We're also going to be sending some of our best leaders to New Zealand. We're going to be sending people. Someone just moved to Eastern Cape. I love it. You come to me and you tell me, man, this word is working so much. I got an opportunity and I'm getting ready to apply it. Man, I'll bless you. We'll pray for you in a hurry. That's what we are here for. Now, I could flip that around and, and, and tell you you need to, to, to come to me to buy a car. You want to succeed if the man of God is not involved in every little decision that you... And I could flip that around and do that. But, but, but that's not what the Word says. The Word says all you have to do is to change the way you think. Start changing the way you think. Start lining up your thoughts with God's word. If God says it, I believe it, and that settles. Now, brothers and sisters, that may be the hardest thing you'll ever do. Work on your thoughts. You know why? Because your grade 5 teacher told you you'll never amount to anything. Your metric results told you you'll never amount to anything. Your metric results tried to cap your earning uh, capability. And God is telling you he has broken all those walls and he's brought you into a place of possibility. Amen. And you have to. It may be the biggest battle. For me it was because I grew up poor. And so when God was trying to shift me into provision, into prosperity, it was hard. And sometimes God would shake me and bring me around people who are just uh, prosperous. And, and it would, my mind is tilting, but I'm learning something new. I was with Billy Earhart in the car, and, and Billy said this to me. He said, uh, Tafara, do you know there's a shortage of watches in the world, right? And I said, no shortage of watches. I can get you a watch at four ways more. He said, no, that's not what I'm talking about. I said, what are you talking about? He said, Rolexes. I said, oh. <laughs> Man, I could get him a Casio. And, and this is what he said. True story. I'm sitting with him in the car. And I know the Lord is doing this because it's shifting my thinking. Because the problem is my thinking. And he says, you know, um, I bought one for 24000 U.S. dollars. And... Uh, and, uh, and, and he said this. I'm sitting with him in the car. We're driving. And he said, um, and I sent it back because, you know, it wasn't the one that I wanted with the dial. You know, the dial was wrong and the face was, you know, different. And he said, but I should have kept it because of the shortage of watches. It's now doubled in value. It's selling for 56000 U.S. dollars. It was like a completely different world. I'm looking at him like, I, I didn't know this world exists. And then I said, so you think I should invest in watches? He said, no, 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 don't do that. He says, I use play money for that kind of stuff. And so what is God doing? <laughs> He's working on me. Your boy needs it. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. And so when we planted that church, my wife and I, we lived in a two-bedroom apartment. And God brought one of the members. He had a big house in Hyde Park. And now I'm preaching every Thursday in Hyde Park. What is God doing? He's shifting my thinking. He's trying to get me to get comfortable with my future. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Amen. 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 Some of you, you can't see it. And you need to, I mean, thank God we live in 2023. You can go on Pinterest and just download some pictures and see it. If you want a scholarship, young people, I love dealing with young people. If you want a scholarship, go and download the scholarship on Pinterest and, and you can print that sucker and put tippex on it and put your name on it and put it where you can see it, wherever you're brushing your teeth, you see it. Because some of you, you close your eyes, you can't see it. Come on, try it. Close your eyes, go into a mansion right now, just try it. It's like, man, I, I don't know. I don't know where to start. <laughs> so I'm telling you guys, this may be the hardest thing you'll ever have to fight. This right here. Not demons out there. This right here. Why don't you stand on your feet? <laughs> Someone shout, my mind is alert. Someone shout, I will guard my heart with all diligence. Because out of it, will flow the issues of life. Can you please give me uh, Proverbs 4.23 in the NLT? I mean, some of you don't think this is true, and I want to show you a verse uh, that will just, you know, put a nail on this coffin. Watch what it says. Proverbs 4.23 NLT. <clears throat> NLT, please. New Living Translation. 
Watch what it says. It says, guard your heart. Above what? Above your house, above your investment, above your car. You know, the way you're diligent locking your car in Joburg, you lock and you check. He's saying that you must, when it comes to your heart, you must guard it above the way you're diligent locking your car. In other words, you just don't expose your heart to all kinds of nonsense, discouraging news, the garbage of the world. You don't open your heart to that kind of stuff. It's going to discourage you. It's going to produce a life of, of defeat. It's going to produce a life you don't enjoy living. He says, guard your heart above all else. Why? For it determines the what? Man, if this doesn't settle it, I don't know what will. The path you are on right now is a direct result of what you have allowed people to put in your heart. Do not allow people to tell you who you are. Only God has that right. Some of you have been in relationships with abusive people that have told you you are nothing and you've believed them. You've put it in your heart and this is why you're automated for defense, you're automated for manipulation, you're automated for all these different things that you shouldn't be automated for. Why? Because you allowed all kinds of things to be put in your heart. Thank God we can get a new heart from the Lord. But from your heart, it will determine the course of your life. You know, one of the things Pastor C and I consistently do on this path of greatness is we vehemently, that's the word I learned, we vehemently reject pettiness. I don't like petty in my heart. People are consistently trying to drag me into a, a, a petty view. Trying to drag me, I don't do petty. At the office, people come, you know, you heard what so-and-so said about you. I don't care. I don't care. You heard what this... I don't care. Did you hear what Jesus said about me? Amen. Do not allow petty to get into your heart. It will automate you for small living. Amen. is worried about the number of teaspoons of sugar sister Bettina you know I said sister Bettina last week and I found out she was in church true story she came she said man sister man I need to find some names that are not common right you know sister Maslatini or something you know <laughs> sister Sledge yeah sister Sledge man I'm telling you this is the truth what was I talking about what happened to Yeah, people fight over teaspoons of sugar. Sugar ran out at the office. People are starting getting petty. Pastor, you are the pastor, you know. This person stole my sugar. I don't want to be petty. I don't want to be petty. No, I don't want to. I'm, I'm automating my heart for abundance. Can I get an amen? Don't get petty. We were sitting with Billy Eppard at, at, at lunch eating and I'm observing how he treats the waiters. He asked me, he says, so what's the right tip, you know, for the waiters? So I told him, you know, 200 rand is good. He said, okay, I'll give him 800 rand. I looked at that money. I said, come on, man. Yo. Yo, I said to the waiter, yo, I brought Billy here. We can split that up, bro. <laughs> Say, come on, man. I'm the one who brought him. Let's split that up, bro. I was looking for that waiter the next day. Say, bro, <laughs> I brought Billy in town. Gonna take all that money. But I'm telling you, man, be automated for abundance. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for these, your children. Lord, we just thank you, every single one of them, that you are healing their hearts. Lord, I thank you that you are uprooting all forms of discouragement, all forms of uh, uh, deceitfulness of riches, cares of this world, and lusts of things. You are uprooting them uh, out of their hearts right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, I thank you that you are uprooting offense. 
that has been caused because they thought the word didn't work. Lord, I thank you that today marks the beginning of a clean slate of a heart, a white piece of paper with nothing on it that they can begin to write your promises. Lord, I thank you that these, your precious children, will write one thing and one thing only on their hearts. What the possibility of your word promises. I thank you, Father, that these are the believers that are called for such a time as this. These are the believers that will believe your word to the T. These are the believers that will lay hands on the sick and the sick will recover. These are the believers uh, that will raise the dead. These are the believers that will have a strong Christ esteem about who they are in you. That it will not come from uh, Instagram, it will not come from a magazine, but it will come from what your word says. I thank you, Father, that those who have been uh, wounded and harmed, men, women who were in abusive relationships and they were spoken, uh, 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 told things that are hurtful and they held on to them, put them in their heart and they've been holding on to them. We break that in the name of Jesus. We say, be loose, be released, depart, go, you spirit of offense. Right now, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, Father, that they will not remember those words. But, Father, that they will remember who you say they are in your word. We cancel every proclamation that may have been said uh, to these young people by their teachers. That you never amount to anything. That you, never, you don't qualify for this, that or the other. We cancel those proclamations right now in the name of Jesus. And we declare endless possibilities over their lives. These young people are the world changers. They are the world changers. And they will change this world. Thank you for it. In Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Now, some of you parents, you know, I'm, tell, I'm saying this by the Spirit of the Lord. Some of you parents, I heard the Lord say this, that some of you parents say no too much to your children. Some of you have children that have dreams to change the world. Some of you have children that have creative minds. Some of you have children that want to write code and do amazing things on computers and you are consistently telling them no, 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 no. And what you're doing is you're conditioning them to think that it is impossible. Some of you need to start supporting their gifts and what they would like to pursue. I shared a story last week of a young man who wanted a scholarship in Canada. His mom said no, but thank God he went with the word of God and he got that scholarship, wound up going to Ivy League. Tanaka is still one of my very close protégés. He, he, he went to Ivy League, studied there now. He works and lives in Los Angeles and uh, uh, he's getting ready to get married and so on and so forth. Uh, man, you need to tell these children that it is possible. Can I get an amen? You need to tell them that it's possible. Encourage them. Don't be the one saying no, 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 no. They want to try the jungle gym. No, they want to do this. No, no. You wrap them in a blanket close to you. and you don't. They can't do anything. <sighs> yeah, you want to say that? What happened? Where's the microphone? Let's get the microphone. My wife, when she feels the anointing, she just interrupts my preaching. And I want to add a little bit. Um, yeah, you can come on out. So I think, I think, you know, we, this, is re this is really a word from the Lord because this is something that the Lord was speaking to us as well this week. Um, you know, we've really watched it in our older daughter. Um, you know, we said a no to a lot, you know. Because we were scared. Um, because we were scared. You know, we were scared. Okay. Um, and I think, we, you know, the Lord really dealt with our heart because by the time the second one came through, we, um, you know, we really were, we were no longer scared. And I think this is, let this be an encouragement um, to you who are parents. You know, Amen. God is the one who protects your children. Come on. Okay. 
God is the one who's looking after them. Okay, don't be scared for your children. Mm. You know, because God is really the one that's watching over them. And so, man, we learned to say yes to Tinaya a lot, you know. Yeah. Yes to go to the jungle gym. Yes to swimming, you know. Yeah. Swimming. She's I mean, Tinaya, Tinaya started swimming at probably, what, like almost one years old. Yeah. And she went to school at one, right, which we never did for, for Manesu, who was our oldest child. And, and she's got and, it. And she she's got it. She's team. actually like a, she's a really strong swimmer, right. And she's confident, overconfident. We got her. She gate crashed her big sister's birthday party. And they were doing like zip lining and stuff. And where all the 10 year olds were like crying, they didn't want to do it. This is a little seven year old. She's like doing acrobats, you know? Come on. So we just want to encourage you, parents. You want to pray for the children? Let's pray. Father, we just want to thank you for every single child um, that is represented here today at Faithful Church. Lord, we just, we just um, you know, speak a special blessing over their, their children, Lord. We just, we just pray even for parents here, Lord. Father, we just thank you for just reminding them, Father, that you've got their children. Amen. We just thank you, Father, for that, just reminding them they don't need to panic. They don't need to panic at all because you're right here to help them. You're always there to help their children. And so, Father, we just thank you for the world changes that are being raised here today in this church that are going to come out of Faithful Church. Father, we thank you for presidents that are going to come out of Faithful Church. Yes, we thank you, Father. I hear you say we have CEOs, CEOs of big businesses, big businesses that are going to come out of Faithful Church, kids crew and Faithful Church youth. Father, we just thank you that our children are leaders and they're not followers. That our children are above only and that they are never beneath. Father, we just thank you for every single child that's represented by the families, the mothers and the fathers that are here today. Father, we thank you for doing great things in their lives. We thank you that these children will be a light to a dying world. They will shine brightly and brightly and brightly for Jesus. They are influences. They are influences, but they're influences for Jesus. They are influences. We're raising influences here today. Father, we just thank you for doing it. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. We hope this message has been a blessing to you. Thank you for listening. To find out more about how you can become a partner, visit faithhill.tv today.